Awesome. What is up, people? Jean Carlos here with the Total Body Training Podcast. And today I have my special guest. This is Molly Badger. Say hey, Molly. And Molly is the owner of one of the owners of Southtown Yoga Loft, and she's a really incredible yoga instructor. She has taught me a ton of really cool things. I used to take her yoga for lunch class over at Southtown Yoga Loft. She's incredible, and that is exactly why I've asked her to be here on the Total Body Training Podcast. So thank you for being here, Molly. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks. Yes. Okay. So today's episode of the Total Body Training Podcast is brought to you by carbs. My favorite carb is... uh, bread <laughs> bread with little <laughs> nuts in it uh with lots of like healthy little particles tasty little wheat bread multi-grain bread that kind of jazz what is your favorite you're carb? just way healthier than mine my favorite <laughs> carb are cookies okay like just as long as it's not a sugar cookie like it's like with okay. chocolate in it then okay. i'm good yeah. so chocolate like uh you're like homemade about- cookies we're not talking like store-bought like oh, yeah. they need to be actual real oh yeah cookies. hell yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> awesome Okay. All right. So you heard it from her. The yogi that loves cookies. Uh, No, no. Cookies are good. Cookies are good. Like today, bread was my favorite today, but cookies will be my favorite like Friday. It's going to come after you. You're going to be thinking about it later. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I might have some after this. All right. So people, today we're going to be talking a little bit about Molly's experience with being a yoga instructor. I really want to show people why yoga can be a really awesome part of a healthy lifestyle, um, what it can do for you, because I feel like it's had a whole host of benefits for me, including the following. Feeling more confident in my body, knowing myself better, um, having greater mobility throughout my body as a strength trainer, having more flexibility in my body, just you know, just to name a few. Also working on stress management, any of those things, those are the reasons why I like doing yoga. And so that's kind of part of the reason why I brought Molly on today. So we're gonna go ahead and get started. Molly, I want you to kind of tell us a little bit about the kind of yoga that you do. Okay, Um, so I teach um, Ashtanga, Vinyasa yoga, which is one of the more traditional types of yoga. So most any of the postures that you'll take um, in a yoga practice are based off of that series. So like the warrior, sun salutation, all of those. Ashtanga is just all the same movements in the same order every single time. So for those who are type A, we love that, like the structure and the routine of like knowing what's coming next. So you don't have to wonder and feel stressed about it. It's also a really cool way to kind of see your progress within um, that because you know that last time a few weeks ago, you thought you'd never get this pose and then all of a sudden you can touch your toe in it and you're like, oh, that's cool because I can see where I was before because I'm doing the exact same thing every single time. It takes those variables out. So Ashtanga Vinyasa. So it's um, traditionally a 90 minute practice um but i teach a 75 minute once a week and then i teach a 90 minute once a week and then i teach a few vinyasas on the side but ashtanga is what i trained in and it's like totally where my heart is i absolutely love it it's real method to it so kind of like a padlock if you do the right numbers in the right order you open the lock if you do the right movements in the right order you open the body is kind of the method and the idea behind it so you follow the exact same pattern every time that you come in or yes. it doesn't, doesn't move around or something? no it doesn't well I, if you teach like a, i teach an improv class once a week so we'll warm up to a certain point and then once once we get kind of like down on the floor for like seated postures, we'll say, okay, let's workshop, you know, the twisting sequence, which are four poses coming together. We'll break them down, understand where parts and pieces go. But normally the practice is 90 minutes of postures that go in the exact same order every single time. So you start with sun salutation A, you move to sun salutation B, and then you're taking a forward big toe holding fold, and then you work into your um, like 
triangle pose and then revolve triangle. So it's always in that same order every single time. It's it's not for everyone, but it's a really, really beautiful practice. It's just steeped in tradition and there's a lot of method behind it. It's it's amazing to see what happens in your body when you practice it often. That is awesome. Is that yeah. what I was doing when I was taking classes like during the lunch class? So you? when you were taking the lunch class, it was more of a vinyasa. So okay. that one changed that on a regular sense. basis. Yes. Like some things, since I am a Shanga trained, you probably saw some things were similar yes, in that yes. class. And we usually kind of structured in the same. We do sun salutations and we'd work into balance and we'd work, you know, on the floor and then we take, you know, twists and back bends and finish with inversions. That's kind of the structure of Ashtanga. But um, what you used to take, there was a lot of like movement. Sometimes we'd take one pose, sometimes we'd take another one. Excuse me, but like, but we would still kind of follow that same pattern of what comes when yeah. we would just kind of vary the poses in between. So yeah, so those lunch flows and like strong flows that I teach right now, I kind of give myself some room to play and bring in some yeah. other non-Ashtanga poses and yeah. Yeah. And it seems like there's definitely a purpose to doing both styles. Totally. Uh, you know, for me, I... I like both. And, yeah, and, you know, I think we all do. Like, yeah. there's value in cross training almost in yoga styles. You know, like there's we all need a little restorative every once in a while. We all need some meditation. We all need a vinyasa flow or a power class like a Baptiste style or Ashtanga. It, there's just a lot of value in not staying in the exact same practice all the time. We learn yes. things about ourselves. We learn things about our body. We open up in different ways. Our mind calms in different ways. It's it's really big. So. Was that the first kind of yoga that you started off in when you went right from the get-go? That's a good question. Actually, my first yoga experience was a Biggest Loser workout video that I checked out from a library <laughs> a very long time ago with That's like Bob. <laughs> I don't know what his last Bob Harper or something. I don't know. Biggest Not Loser. Not a yoga name. <laughs> Not a yoga name. But I remember doing it at home and being like, huh, this yoga thing's kind of interesting. Yeah. And then um, I mentioned to you before, I did some personal training and I did some weightlifting and I got into yoga because I was like, my muscles are so stiff and I'm like wanting to avoid injury. So I took just some gym yoga, um, which was this and that, whatever. But a few of my teachers there actually worked at a studio and taught at a studio and done their training at the studio where I ended up doing my training. And that was Ashtanga. And that was kind of my first. So I kind of baby stepped my way in, but then I happened to have a really, a few really great teachers that happened to be at a gym where you normally get a different type of yoga at a gym, but they, I, their style was amazing. And it was like having a studio coming into a gym. And I kind of started to go, wait, hold on. Like, what is this? This is really cool. I really like this. Mm -hmm. And so they were the ones that were like, you need to try this other practice out and see what you think. So that's kind of where I ended up finding it. Yes. You know, actually yeah. that it was my introduction to, well, not in a video, but it was in a gym and okay. I ran into yeah. a yoga instructor who used to teach at Southtown called Charlie. Oh, and okay. Yeah. Charlie, Charlie was the one who did things differently. Gotcha. He did it more. Yeah. Um, he, he would tell us, he's like, this isn't what you're normally going to see in a gym setting. Right. You know, there is like this kind of other element to it, you know, and he would do yeah. like the playful kind of things that I hadn't really seen with other yoga yeah. instructors. Whereas like some yoga classes felt a little bit more like, a, like a standard workout class? Like an aerobics type class, yeah. except you're just kind of like hanging out in poses for a little while, stretching and like, but it doesn't, it's a different mood when someone is used to teaching those different, those like multi-layers of yoga as yeah. opposed to just stretching, you know? So, so what does that mean to you when you say like, just so our viewers understand yeah. like a clarification, what you mean by multi-layers? I think that I always tell people, I think that you come to yoga usually because of something physical. You don't usually seek yoga out because you're looking for some huge spiritual rebirth. Frequently you come to yoga because you're like, oh, I'm stiff and sore. I had this back injury. My doctor 
doctor recommended it, all of those kinds of things. But you usually stay because there's a lot more. You start to realize kind of the things that you were saying earlier that, you know, my stress level is lower. I have a place where I can just spend an hour where I don't have to be anything to anyone. And that's really revitalizing to my soul, you know, and it's a place where you can find community and it's a place where it's really encouraged that, you know, there's a huge level of acceptance no matter what you are. You don't have to be the same as anybody in the room. And so I think that once you start to practice in a studio, which I know can be intimidating for people sometimes. So gyms are kind of like the baby step in, you know, you're like, you don't want to feel like an idiot going when you don't know anything in a studio and feel totally out of your element. But, um, but I think that you usually stay because there's other levels of, um, on a spiritual level of just getting to know yourself. And in yoga, we talk a lot about, you know, a journey to yourself, knowing who you really are, not who you are, like how you'd introduce yourself at a party, like, you know, I love rock climbing or I have kids I'm or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Those things, it's much more like, who am I really? Like, yeah. you know, what is it about myself? And so I think you learn a lot about yourself and, and it's those layers of like deeper connection with yourself and with others and with your place in something that's bigger than yourself that ends up being like, wow, this is a really meaningful place where I can access that when I can't out in the world with all the noise going on. Yeah. Yeah. With having your cell phone. Right. Right. Having, you know, if you have kids with having, you know, a job, job and, and relationships like and yes. traffic and like, you yes. know, there's just, it's a really busy pace that we all live. And how often do we pause everything just for an hour, if that to breathe, to just pay attention to every inhale and every exhale for an hour that like never happens it, it never happens. and it's yeah. huge right like it yeah. changes your life once you do it and it sounds yes. kind of hokey and kind of weird to say that but it we just we we need space to breathe yeah we and just there's do. a lot of scientific evidence that suggests now right that, like, you know we even you know can take 10 minutes just to stop to, or five to, to breathe yeah and yes you know how often do we actually do that i mean yeah. i find myself in a place where i start to feel like overwhelmed you know yeah not necessarily overwhelmed, but like, oh my God, I've got so much going on. Right. Like I've got to go from this to that, to this, to that. So, you know, I've got to pick up this and then I got to go that in here. I got to train and now I got to be the yeah. business owner. And it's like, you tend to like lose track of like, Hey, like I'm, you know, me. <laughs> right. <laughs> what's, what's going on with Exactly. Me? And there's always yeah. those, these demands, you know, I, yes. I have two kids, I have a 10 year old and a yeah. seven year old. Yeah. And I find that we do yoga a lot because they're learning how to manage those big emotions in their lives too. I sometimes manage them well and I sometimes manage them not quite so well as an adult. Yeah. But it's more apparent with kids and you see that and I watch what they're able to do with just taking time to like breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. They can still their body. They can still their mind. And that's exactly why I do it, too, is we all need that time to kind of regroup and find just a little bit of stillness because stillness helps us, you know, understand that there's peace, that everything's going to be okay, that it's not... um, you know, the world isn't ending because we didn't answer an email or something. Our mind starts to do weird things when we're under anxiety and stress and we can pull out of it, detach just a little bit and be like, Oh, actually things are okay. I'm doing a good job. You know, I'm, I'm not so terrible as I was thinking I might've been. It's, we're all doing a lot better than we think we are. We just need the time to realize it. You know, you do a really good job of setting the tone with your classes you. and kind of starting it off that way. Uh, you know, that's something that definitely stands out to me. It's one of the main reasons why I came to you and why I was taking your classes, yeah. um, you know, for as long as I have is that I feel like you really set the tone and set a reminder at the beginning of class of that exact message. Did you always do that from the get-go? Did you know that you wanted to start your classes off with this you know, tone or with this message? Or is it something that came along as you became a teacher? That's a really 
really good question. I don't know that I ever actually sat down and said, this is how I want to start my classes. Yeah. I frequently say, I say things out loud that I need to hear myself. <laughs> and uh, a lot of it comes from yeah. that is because I think that I'm someone, I'm very type A, I'm very driven. And I am like a lot of people where I tend to notice the things I'm not doing more than the things that I am. Mm. And somehow one of my teachers in my training, you know, made the comment that as teachers and especially as yoga teachers or any kind of teachers, we have this fabulous opportunity to put a pin in all of our stuff and be able to just be there for other people. Like we don't just start throwing problems. We can just be there 100% for who we're teaching, who we're caring for, who, you know, we are there for. And so I think from the beginning, I'd always kind of tell myself before going into a class, it's not about me, it's about them. And so going to that class, knowing often that for me, going to yoga was a place where I just needed to feel like I was okay and like everything was gonna be okay. Cause yoga gets to be a raw place. Like you don't realize it, you don't see it coming, but somehow in all the movement and in all the breath, sometimes things come to the surface that we've kind of stuffed down and haven't processed fully. And it's a moment where people become really vulnerable. And it can be kind of scary if you're new to it and you think, oh my gosh, are people seeing me work through this kind of thing? And for me, just personally, I just feel like it's we're hard enough on ourselves. We don't need someone else there barking at us. We need someone there to remind us that we are doing amazing things. That honestly, inner dialogue needs to change to be positive because we really are all doing a lot better than we think we are. So I don't know that it was ever a real conscious decision, but I just feel like it's so needed. And I see that in my own life that I'm hardest on myself. And so I, I want to be that voice for other people to help maybe change their own personal dialogue yeah. that, yeah, maybe, maybe I am doing better, you know, than I think I was, or I thought I was. So. Yeah, and I think that's such an important message for our viewers to know at home, yes. whether it's that you're doing yoga or you're doing strength training or you're yes, running whatever, or you're anything like that. You know, we can set really self-limiting expectations for ourselves or we have a lot of built-in thoughts that sometimes can stop us from, you know, whether it's actually like improving or going along with our daily lives. Yeah. And we can create these narratives about ourselves or we do create these narratives about ourselves that oftentimes aren't really true or accurate. Or we're so hard on ourselves yeah. if we do what we perceive as a mistake and we forget that growth is measured on so many different levels. It's not just, you know, from a weightlifting, like, did I lift more or did I lift less or, you know, whatever we're deciding are the measurables. There's so many other things that change in our lives when we are working to improve that um, it's easy to get down on ourselves if we think, oh, I messed up or I didn't do as well as I did yesterday or last week. And yet we're not really looking at maybe our relationships are better in our lives because of what we're doing whether that is running or fitness or, you know, yoga or whatever it is, or maybe I just, I didn't lose my temper in traffic or maybe, you know, all these little things, they all work together to make us better people, which is the goal, you know, of any yes. kind of self-improvement program. And so we're actually doing pretty awesome. We need to come back to that more often. Yeah. I, you know, and, and to side note on that, I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's such a truth to that. I mean, showing up just in the process of showing up to yes. you a level of discipline that you would not get if you didn't show up. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Any, any it's true. You're doing. And it's so, true. you know, I mean, you might not realize it or not, but you're teaching yourself somewhere. You're, you're neurologically wiring something in your brain that tells you, Hey, like this is something that I do. Yeah. And so don't right. be afraid to fail or to not, you know, to fail sounds like such a bad thing, but it actually can be a good thing because it gives you an opportunity to learn. Right. And to grow. I mean, every, everybody starts that way. You right. Know, every, everything works off the principle of making a boo-boo is what I say. Yeah. And then like trying to like fix it a little bit, right? right. It's not detrimental. It's not the end of the world. Exactly. If you can't get in down dog as flexibly as you did totally. last week. If you can't squat, you know, the 150 pounds this week as well as you did last week. Right. It's just 
oh, well, like, you know, maybe uh, what, what can I work on to make that better? Or maybe right. just like next time I go, I'll try a little bit harder, right? Yeah. Don't let the expectation that you personally have or the, the end goal stop you from focusing on all the little intermediates that get you to that end goal. Yeah. And I think um, with all like health and fitness and especially with yoga, there's a real, um, I don't want to say push, but like a real focus on getting into your body and meeting it where it is right now. Yes. So, so what if your downward facing dog doesn't look like it did last year, you're an entirely different person than you were last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have to meet ourselves right now. So there's a real focus on being present. And I think there is that lesson in that moment of like, okay, so I did this thing and I see that it's different than I did before. And that may be a negative, but at the same time, I met myself exactly where I am today. I I showed up and maybe some days that's enough. You know, maybe not every day is 150% pushing ourselves. Maybe the real work is in being okay with it being like a 70% day. Like that, that's harder to do than 150 50% in my opinion, because we have to tell ourselves, you know what? I did awesome and, it, and it's okay. You know, I can still, mm-hmm. I can still embrace and love myself because I did what was important. I showed up, I was here, I was present. I put in the effort. So what if it's different? It's just one more day. Yep. yep. And, and, you know, I mean, more often than not, a lot of days are going to be a 70%. Yes. <laughs> like oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, you know, you might've been <laughs> up if you're a mom, you yeah. might've been up helping your kids. If you have a partner, something might've came up there. Right. You might've had car trouble. So many days are going to be that way. And if right. we just kind of decide, you know, that we're going to give up the moment that we start having some kind of, tr- you know, some kind of trial or like yeah. we say, oh, today wasn't as good as last or it's day. Not perfect, can't, you know, it's like, not perfect. You know, like it's kind of a funny you thing. Know, I'm so mad that that's, that's not perfect or that's not right, right. then, you know, we might as well not do anything at all <laughs> because so many of those days will be that way. So totally. So just kind of like go with the punches there. So I love yeah. that message. It's something that I definitely tell my clients. And actually it's been something yeah. that a lot of our people who've came through on the Total Body Training Podcast have each and every, every one yeah. of them has said. That has yeah. been a message that all of them have said. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter where they've been at. I mean, we had somebody who was a heavy squatter, got at a thousand pounds. And that oh, wow. was the exact same message that he said. Yeah. That it's just, it's not always going to be perfect, but it's okay to build up. Yep. And yeah. For sure. Perfection is a fluid kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> perfect is being, I always said this in my classes, but like perfection is being present. It, it's it's not a measurable number. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's being present, and that's all. That's perfect. I love know? it. So yeah. So you know, you know, for our viewers at home, and even yeah. for myself, can you kind of okay? So you told us a little bit about the kind of yoga you do. Yes. Which is Ashtanga. Yes. But where does yoga come from? Yeah, Who, that's a good you know, question. is that? Yeah, so let's start there. Okay. It's a big question. I know, I know. It's very And there's big. so much, I mean, there's so much in like trending history. and like we got yeah. Instagram and all this kind of stuff going on. But basically, um, the original yoga, Raja Yoga, was um, not created, but more organized and recorded in about 5000 BC by mm-hmm. someone named Patanjali. And it's not um, sure whether that was one man or it was kind of a teacher's title and it was multiple people called Patanjali. But basically, he wrote down the science of yoga, which was a mind science. Um, um, it's yoga is the quieting of the mind stuffs is what we call that. So modifications of the mind, like monkey mind, you know, like we were just kind of saying before, like our perceptions of something can totally change a situation because of our experience, because of um, past negative experiences or our perceived um, response from someone else. We tend to change what is actually truth because in our mind, it, we're not in a quiet place where we can detach and actually see something for what it is. So yoga really was a mind science. Um, to begin with and then the physical practice started to come in as a way to put that mind science to the test to kind of do an experiment and see if it worked. 
And one of uh, the teachers of uh, Ashtanga, uh, Patabi jo- Joyce, who brought yoga to the United States, the Western Hemisphere, in about you know the 1970s, he really brought it over, and people just started to snatch it up. But he always used to say that yoga is 99% practice and 1% theory. It's great to study about it, but you have to practice it and see the changes in your own life to know what it actually is going to do. It doesn't really matter if you learn all these facts and understand all the mind stuff. You have to actually move and do. So yoga is very much a physical practice of movement, but it also can be a seated practice. There's a lot of different styles. And so not everything is really strenuous. Not everything is, we were laughing about this earlier, but yoga doesn't have to be upside down on a rock on a beach somewhere in a designer outfit in order to be yoga, right? So Mm -hmm. yoga is moving, taking time to move and breathe in a way that helps you quiet the spinning thoughts of your mind to kind of just let those go and come to a peaceful place where you can have a true perception of your life relationships and everything in it and that is exactly what drew me to it that kind of idea of like being a little bit lost in your thoughts feeling you know one thing i because i was very lucky i was very fortunate to have had a professor who taught uh, mental training when i was in college oh very cool yeah and so you know he encouraged us to try yoga that was my first time doing that okay and uh one of the things that he always said is that your mind has seven mirrors are you familiar with the seven mirrors oh yes yeah yeah. and uh, you know essentially you know you know, and before I go on, you know, sometimes these analogies tend to kind of scare people who are in a Western audience because we're not used to hearing these kinds of ideas. But really, right. you know, what we're talking about is just like where your mind is. Like, you know, are you like present when you're eating? You know, um, you know, have you sat down to eat? food and gone the whole meal without even noticing what the food tastes like. Yeah. Have you been reading a book? Have you ever found that you're reading a book and a quarter of the way through reading your page, you're thinking about what your mom said yesterday, you know, uh, have you been hanging out with your friend and they've said, you know, a lot of things that you know, to you shared a whole story with you and you're thinking about what you're, you're, you know, what something else like a TV show or something and you're, you're just not present. Right. And so really that's what I, I think what, Molly is getting at right yeah. in terms of like a mind science is making sure that you're, exactly. like, you're present and that you're you know cutting off the your, your monkey mind um, that you're right. relaxing and you're actually focusing instead of being lost and we all kind of know that feeling of like when we're anxious or we're stressed it feels mm-hmm. like our thoughts are just racing one is leading to another leading to another leading to another and really what we want to get to a place is like um, like a calm and still lake instead of rocks being thrown in like if we want to know what the scenery looks like just by looking in the reflection of the lake it's really hard to know what that landscape picture looks like if there are so many rocks being thrown in the water's always moving so it's wanting to be able to feel calm enough that like everything is clear and steady and we can have just one thought at a time and we can taste the food that we're eating and we can be present in the conversations that we're having and we can really understand what it is we're feeling rather than it being reactionary we can be intentional is is really what all of that is kind of working yes, towards yes you know i we're talking we were just talking about how your mind works and how yoga is mostly a mind science and being very present in the moment and you know i kind of want to talk about that specifically because you know there is this side of yoga that is considered to be a spiritual practice and some people kind of you know merge that over with with religious certain religious values and there's another part of it which is almost like more of a psychology which was the approach that i was taught Mm -hmm. um, when i was taught it in school yeah now you know what 
can you want to speak to that end like in terms of like what those differences are or if yeah. it matters what your faith background is in order to enjoy the benefits of yoga totally yeah that's a really good question because i think that sometimes we feel like in a class especially if we're new to yoga and we've heard about it but there's a lot of like kind of culture that comes with it and worrying that maybe am I agreeing to something? Am I joining some kind of a group that I didn't realize I was in the beginning? But um, but I think that yoga is beneficial on any level. And that's really the truth of it. It's beneficial on a physical level. It's beneficial on a community level of finding friends and you know a family that you feel like is supportive and very encouraging. It's an environment that's not meant to be religious in any way. It's not meant to purport just one religion or one way of thinking. It's meant to be a space where you can come exactly as you are and keep what is important to you and keep, you know, your own values, but find a space where you can find insight, you can find mindfulness, you can find peace, um, you can learn a little bit about meditation and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to look just one way. I think that that's the most important part. So I do, for me personally, um, I tell people, I think that we get into yoga because we're looking for something physical. Um, like maybe we need to stretch or a doctor recommended it or something along those lines. Or we find that, you know, anxiety is really getting to us when yoga has been recommended. Um, but frequently we stay because we find something more. And that something more could be different for every single person. It's just those, I always just call it extra layers of yoga. Yes, it's beneficial for physical. I love it because I'm someone that I, I need a lot of physical activity to feel relaxed and not get eaten up by my anxiety yeah. and my self-doubt and those kinds of things if I'm active. I feel so much more calm about it. I don't second guess myself and that kind of thing. Um, but I also really love the spiritual qualities of it. I love that I can get to a quiet place where I can realize that I'm part of something bigger than myself. That That's not specifically yoga. That's just realizing how we're also interconnected, you know, as a human, as humankind. You know, we're all one big human family and realizing, you know, that we're all um, in it together and feeling like I find that connection with those that are in classes with me and, you know, those that I've met through yoga. And so I feel like... Like spirituality is a huge part of it, but I feel like it's good for people to realize you can benefit from any aspect of yoga. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to ohm. Did you know that? If you go to a class, <laughs> if you feel uncomfortable with ohming, you don't have to, and you're not agreeing to anything by ohming either. Um, ohming is just actually from a, sci from a scientific perspective, the sound of it, the vibration actually works to calm our parasympathetic nervous system and it decreases our fight or flight reaction. So just that hum of the vibration can take us from a really high anxious place to a place where we're not reactionary anymore. We're not in fight or flight mode. We feel safe, we feel calm, and we can operate on a better level. Um, so it's not anything that, you know, sometimes it's hard because we don't understand everything about it. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's got a lot of beautiful layers to it. Yeah, the the home is is a big one for people because that can be something that's right. very scary. It's associated with religious practices. It's like, you know, I mean, somebody hops right. on National Geographic and they see somebody in a monastery or a temple doing these things right. and they think, oh my God, like, you know, I am a person who is, you know, fill in religion. I can't do that, you know. But right. ultimately, it's it's like what what Molly was saying. It's not something that you have to do unless you want yeah. to. And a lot of teachers don't even necessarily teach that. You right. Know? So, it's not it's not necessarily something you'll find in every single class. 
no. and that's and that's the wonderful beautiful thing about yoga in my mind is that everything is optional I mean honestly you could sit on your mat cross-legged for an entire class if that's what your body needs if that's what your mind needs and it's a place where it's totally okay you know it's it's your practice and so the encouragement is to own your own practice get into your own body fill your your hour or your hour and a half or whatever it may be with exactly what you need at that moment and so everything is really just an invitation you can say no to anything anything physical anything emotional anything spiritual it, you're completely in control so it's not um yeah it, it's not it doesn't have to feel scary and you can always ask questions too if it feels like there are things that you know ask your teacher why did we do that you know what does that even mean and and teachers are more than happy to explain too and just say oh this is actually why we practice you know this is this is why we're doing this with our hands it's actually an energy connection and it helps for you know um our nervous system to connect in this way or this way and it's called a mudra and, and you're welcome to not do it if you don't want to but it's actually kind of cool to understand the science of how those things work and and just learn a little bit you know and and like you know that being said, I think that sometimes those things that you're uncomfortable with might be something that are worth just trying. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe maybe something is uncomfortable to you because it can open a door into you feeling or growing as a person. And you might have some kind of resistance to it when you try something that's new. And that's just the old part of you possibly being like, Hey, like, I don't know if that's me, you yeah. know, because maybe it's not you anymore. Maybe there's right. something new that's kind of going on with you and you're evolving or changing as a person. And that right. can be really scary. Yes. And so like, you know, I found that sometimes, you know, getting outside of your comfort zone and trying something new or, you know, trying to hold your fingers this way, a mudra, trying to do something yeah. like that, you know, might feel a little bit funny, um, especially for, you know, the average American, but can make you in that, that that way that you're allowing yourself to try something new, you can find a new level of comfort with yourself um, by trying something new, by challenging yourself. Yeah. You can feel more comfortable in your own shoes doing something that's outside of the norm of what you are. And that right there, doing something outside of the norm of what you are, I think helps you grow as a human. Yes. Um, like immensely. So, you know, that agree. being said, I would say that, you know, and you're, you're, you're definitely the yoga instructor, but I would say <laughs> don't be afraid to try one of those things just once. Like totally. maybe you go and you try an ohm, you know, you're in a class with that yeah. and you're like, oh my God, I, I don't, I'm going to go back and listen to Miley Cyrus. <laughs> right. And like, I maybe you kind of laugh about it. Like I always tell people, yeah. don't take yourself too seriously. Like we try it and maybe it kind of like is different, gets us out of that, but it's not anything that's like written in stone forever that now you have to do things forever. Sometimes we try and we realize we like something and sometimes we try and we realize we don't and that's okay. We never would have known if we didn't try. Right. So yeah. <laughs> um, on a lot of different levels and we do grow and we build, you know, we kind of have experience that we can be more empathetic and more compassionate to other people in different situations. I feel like that's one of the best parts about trying new things is you're like, oh, I actually, I have a connection with that on this small level or big level or whatever it might be. And that opens you up yeah. as a human. It opens you up to new experiences, it opens up you to new people, understanding right. those people, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, that opens up your world whenever, whenever you allow those things, or at least uh, allow yourself to be around something that's different than you. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I mean, that being said, we're talking a little bit about that. Now, something that you bring up a lot is mm -hmm. you do in your classes, you offer 
a perspective that has this like, kindness that you start off your classes with. Mm-hmm. And then you also layer that with talking about things like bandhas, yeah. mu- mudras, is that mudras, the right word? Mudras, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all these terminologies. Can you tell us what a bandha is? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm just kind of like jumping the question. Around. Have you yeah. ever taken a yoga class? You're like, what in the yeah. world are bandhas? <laughs> like this teacher just keeps yelling the word bandhas. Like what? Bandhas are um, are energy locks. Um, basically, it's it's strong um, engagement of the deep low core. So there are three main energy locks or bandhas. Um, Mula bandha is the pelvic floor, which is the lowest root energy mm-hmm. lock, and then Uddiyana bandha is just beneath the navel, and so it's an idea of like kind of being drawn back and tied on to the spine a little bit. And then Jalandhara bandha we only use occasionally in most of my classes, um, but the chin reaches down to the chest, and so mm-hmm. it's an energy lock in the throat. Um, there's a few reasons for using bandhas. Um, there's a lot of strength in the core once we can bring those in together. And so if we're trying to do something like hover in an arm balance or hover from like a handstand back into like a chaturanga or movement or even just learning how to engage the core in order to connect the dots of the body together, you know, so that the feet aren't separate from the upper body as we're lifting in a warrior one or something like that. Um, engaging the bandhas helps to draw those connect those dots together and bring it all together and bring a lot of strength a lot of more a lot more balance um a lot more ability to lift the body we can kind of find this this strength to lift things that feel heavier you know if anyone's ever done a boat pose lifting your legs up off the mat those can feel like the heaviest legs in the whole wide world if you're like on your maybe your third round of boat pose right um engaging bandhas helps us tap into more strength helps us tap into just kind of a deeper level of engagement in the body. Um, It's also meant to help us control the flow of breath. So um, it's helping us to find a steady inhale and exhale that match each other. So we're not breathing really rapidly, but it's not to pinch off energy. It's to just allow a slow and controlled flow of it going back and forth. So that chin to the chest, that Jalandhara Bandha is not meant to pinch off the throat. It's just to control that flow and help us to feel even and steady in the practice. Yeah. And and so like that, that being said, you know, I just kind of want to kind of fill in yeah. something yeah. is that for, for someone who hasn't done yoga, they might hear that and be like, well, that sounds hokey. <laughs> you know, it sounds kind of like weird, or like right. strange breathing stuff. It's like, what's that all about? That's weird. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, one way that you can know what's going on with your breathing and, you know, maybe you could, you know, disagree with me and tell me why, no, go for it. but I would say the next time that you get mad and you're upset about something, mm-hmm. where is your breathing? Uh, where, where right. are you breathing? And usually you're going to find that it's in the top of your chest, that you're not able to relax right. and you're feeling that you're short of breath. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And and so like what yoga is doing, um, you know, when you're engaging in these bandhas and what I would think is that you're able to further relax that so that when right. you get into these moods, you're not just reacting to the totally. situation. You're actually engaging with yourself and being present. And um yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And bandhas are more of a, a physical engagement. Yes. The breath, though, is definitely something that you can see when you're off the mat. Like a lot of times I find myself doing yoga breathing when I'm in traffic. I don't realize, but I'm like stressed out. And like it's gotten to be such second nature that I'll take a deep breath in and I exhale with my mouth closed through my nose with almost like I'm doing like Darth Vader breath, but with my mouth closed. Yes, yes. And it's an audible exhale. And that breath, it, from a scientific perspective, it does a few different things. It just signals to the brain that it's 
okay and we're safe and we're calm and takes us out of that fight or flight. Um, in a yoga practice, it helps to warm the body so we can stay safe as we're moving into different postures. But the breath is huge, you know, and so breath and bandhas are are really big in, uh, are um, really big focuses in yes. yoga practice, and we yeah. can see the change of those, you know, um, in our daily life. We start to notice that if we're lifting something, we we can engage from that deep core. We start to train so that we can keep ourselves safe and healthy yeah. and things. I love it. Yeah. Um, what are some other terminologies that someone might hear who's yeah. a beginner that's coming into one of your classes? Okay, that's yeah. a good question. So we talked a little bit about um, bandhas and yoga breath is called ujjayi breathing. Mm-hmm. It means victorious breath, so kind of purposeful and intentional. Um, namaste is one that you'll probably mm-hmm. hear in a yoga, yoga class. Um, and namaste... Uh, there's a longer translation of it, but the gist of it is that the light in me honors the light in you. So it's a moment where we come together at the end of class to just say, you know, we acknowledge that there's been a lot of effort made in everyone. So take a moment, just pausing here to realize that there is something good in each one of us. Yes. And we got to share a little bit of that because whenever we're in, you know, in the same space as another person and we're all sharing in something that's a similar action together, which I'm sure a lot of your clients realize if they're taking group fitness classes that, you know, there's kind of a mood vibe or like a a group vibe going on, you know, and you can kind of feed off each other's energy in moments when you feel low, you can kind of take something that's extra that someone else is able to give in that moment. And then vice versa, you know, when you're feeling like this is a strong moment for me, I can kind of give off a little bit of extra, then that's out there for someone else to be able to feel encouraged by, you know, and your mood is uplifted and think, okay, I guess I can maybe do this, even though it's hard. Um, so namaste is that just that moment at the end, like acknowledging that, um, I'm trying to think of what other terminology, um, Okay. We talk so, about drishti, a gazing okay, point. What, what's that? Um, a drishti is like a steady point to focus on. So for balance, it's hard to balance if we're, our eyes are moving all over the place. So frequently in most poses, we'll say, you know, find your drishti or find your gazing point, something that's not moving, you know, so not another person, not even the teacher, something maybe like on the floor or on the wall or something that can help you find your steady point. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I teach my clients this when we do things like lunges <laughs> right. or something, I just say, find look your at that point. spot. <laughs> it's not going you know, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like, you know, that being said, yeah. the terminologies that we use, that you use currently right. can also, th- there is an, a, an American or an English way to say them. Why is it that we teach both when we teach yoga? So, you know, yeah. and, and can you explain what, um, where these words come from real quick too? Right. Like, so most of the words are Sanskrit that are mm-hmm. used, um, or the, the words in, Utah, or in yoga are Sanskrit and, um, they are an, an ancient language and that was what the, they call them the sutras, Patanjali, we were talking about with the history, who wrote down all of this um, mind science of yoga in the first place. Um, the yoga sutras are these teachings of yoga, and so they're all written in Sanskrit originally. Um, yoga is just a very traditional practice. It's something that's been handed down for thousands and thousands of years, um, and so it's something that, you know, we have other traditions in our culture that we do things a certain way because traditionally, I mean, the way that the flag is folded, right? Yes. That's something because it's meaningful and there's tradition there, and so so it doesn't make any sense that even though it's a few hundred years later, we fold it any old way. No, no, we fold it a certain way because it was meaningful to a lot of people.
people who participated in it. And in yoga, yeah, in yoga it's very similar. So we'll use a lot of those same words because it's also preserving something too. You know, it's it's handing it down to those next generations who can find a lot of meaning from, if you speak two languages, it's always interesting to, you know, I speak French as well as English. And so it's always been kind of fun to like look and feel like in some translations of words, I'm like, oh, there's so much insight. I never thought of this word as meaning this, but when I read it in French, I think, oh, I never thought of it in that connotation. So when we have that extra layer of tradition and language, it can help, you know, broaden our insight on something. That is the best explanation I've ever heard of that. Oh, good. Oh, <laughs> yes, good. yes, that is a phenomenal explanation. <laughs> I know, I'm just like giving you props there. Like, like, it's a very good explanation. I think, and it's very mm. understandable for you all, so listen to this. <laughs> very, very good explanation. I loved it. Good. Like, yeah, good. it made I'm me glad. understand it in a deeper way, actually. So Good. I, yeah. I think it's nice. It helps to kind of take away that fear factor of like, what exactly did I get myself Namaste. into? Namaste. What's that? Namaste. Like, what's that? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just it's those scary. moments where it feels foreign and anything foreign I just by nature we kind of feel like but I think it's nice to realize we do the same things just in different ways and so it's much more about being open-minded and learning than it is that we need to be on our guard or it's weird or we shouldn't participate at all it's just we just need to ask questions you know yeah it's just it's not a secret no it's it's not it's just a different way of saying something that you would say in your own language right that, right that's it right it's, it's that's just it we're just paying homage totally. to where these things came from yeah yeah <laughs> you know it's it's pretty exactly. cool exactly yeah. yeah so you know i mean you know that being said there mm-hmm. okay like, there's another terminology that i think people should hear because okay. these are ones that people generally just hear in yoga all the time right that sometimes they're like what is that right right chakras oh chakras <laughs> yeah, yes that's like people love to talk about yeah, chakras let's, let's talk about chakras yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, chakras are really interesting. Go ahead and go ahead and ask what your no, question no, no. with it. What are they? Like, <laughs> what do they mean? What do they represent scientifically? Okay, so um, the science. Of, there's a lot of really great books, and I could get you a few to yeah, reference if, you, if people are interested later. Um, but chakras are referring to the energetic body, not the physical body. And so if you've ever seen kind of one of those diagrams where you see like the red, mm-hmm. orange, yellow, green, blue working its way up the body, um, each chakra has to do with a different part of the body and kind of a different emotion or mood or um, not necessarily mood, but a different um, aspect of ourselves. So like the root chakra, its color is red and it is the very base of kind of we were talking about Mulabanda, like the pelvic area and its um, main like focuses are you know those basic necessities of living so um, like security and like shelter food um, being loved and like those kinds of like being safe and taken care of and kind of like our basic needs for living kind of that um Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? It kind of mirrors that a little bit. And so the working up the body, we work through, you know, like um, emotions of like the heart love and being loved and being accepted. And then throat chakra is speaking and feeling like we have a voice and um, being able to communicate what we need. And then eventually working its way all the way up to the crown chakra, which is intelligence and enlightenment and those kinds of things. So each chakra has its own color that it's associated with. And its references, um, a lot of times if you take a yoga class, sometimes they'll, where you hear it is that they'll say, okay, well, this is like a, a heart chakra focused class. And, and if you don't know what that means, you're like, what? <laughs> um, and basically it means that we're working to open up that part of the body. So trying to find heart openers, bringing the shoulders back so the heart can open because um, opening the physical body, the, the concept is opening the physical body helps to open the energetic body and help us tap into emotions, improve 
you know, everything that comes with that aspect, because we're not just physical beings, we're also emotional beings and we're mental and we're spiritual beings all kind of put together in one. And so that's another area where it could, I miss, I mean, it's maybe can feel a little bit hokey, but it is interesting to think that, you know, oftentimes like maybe we do need a little heart opening. Maybe we are kind of in that place where we're feeling self-protective and we're a little bit worried about our lives. And we start to notice that maybe our posture starts to mirror that just a little bit. Um, and so maybe, maybe we need to feel more loved. Maybe we need to express more love. Maybe we need to open up that heart chakra. Yeah. And I, I love that explanation. I mean, you know, one way I would look at it is like, uh, when you're tense or when you're scared, you know, do you slouch over? Yeah. You know, how does, you know, what do you do when you get angry? Like, what are your shoulders yeah. Rising? If you're in a fight with someone you care about, you mean, are you crossing your arms to yeah. protect, you know, kind of a thing? So it's interesting. If you're interesting. struggling with your own confidence, what are you doing with rounding your back? Yeah. You know, like, where's your head? Where are your eyes when you look at someone? When you're right. talking to them, all these different things. You know, I, I think that there is, uh, you know, real precedence for those things to be treated in a way that's pretty serious and very real. It doesn't just have yeah. to be this. I, I think sometimes when people hear that they think it's this kind of like pseudo spiritual right and it can feel kind of like intangible right and it feels a little abstract and I guess from my standpoint I find it really interesting to learn about and like it coincides Um, but I don't feel like just because you start yoga you need to understand everything that has to go on with all those things it can be something that enhances your learning as opposed to being the core of the yoga practice but it definitely is interesting and helpful and just like interesting to say oh that's really funny okay I can see maybe why I do this or I can see the connection between the different parts of the body and you know where I may be feeling certain ailments and also what's going on in my life at the same time so Mm -hmm. it is it's interesting there yeah and you don't not everybody teaches that way so Mm -hmm. I mean you know it's definitely something that's taught to you I'm sure when you're you're going through your yoga certification but some teachers don't feel the need or the desire to necessarily express that when you're taking a class you know so if that's something that you're not necessarily like ready for or something that you're interested in you know you know maybe tr- trying someone who doesn't have those things or those ter- yeah. kinds of terminologies there's a lot of information to share in just one yoga class so frequently there will be maybe like a little bit here or there like as almost like a theme type of a class but it's again it's always like if it's something that works great for you and you're more interested in it ask about it if not don't stress you know yeah, yeah. is there any like big insights for you that you've gotten about yourself through yoga that you'd be uh, willing to share? Hmm. Yes. If not, that's okay. Yes. Let me just think of, I mean, I just feel like there's a lot of them. And I think that, um, cause I found yoga at a time when I was kind of just a huge reevaluation of my life and my own, um, just my own place in it and within a lot of different relationships and my own vision of myself and like my own, I guess I should say just like my own view of myself and how I saw myself and what I was and my own spirituality. And so I think for me, it was just really, it's changed in a lot of ways to know that, um, that it's, I don't know, it's a safe place to land. You know, it's a, for me, it's been a place where um, it gives me room to work through things and not feel like I have to answer right away to anything. I can take my time learning about myself. And for me, I always felt like there was this level of impatience in myself that I needed to hurry up and get there. I needed to hurry and figure myself out and get rid of my mistakes. And, you know, and I, and I felt lots of pressure and I think I kind of interpreted that as pressure from a lot of other sources and started to realize that it's much more about being present in the journey than it is about hurrying and getting up to the, getting to the destination, you know? Um, and so for me, I feel like one of the biggest insights is to realize that like, you know, my life is happening right now. It didn't happen. It's not happening two years ago. That's over and it's done. And the future that I might be worrying about or hoping for, it's not here right now. And if I'm not 
present in this moment with, you know, those who are important to me and whatever it is I'm doing that I'm kind of missing my life and I should work to be more present. I don't need to stress about are things going to work out or, oh, I made this mistake that I'm still embarrassed about from a few years ago or something. Mm-hmm. But to to really, for me, the most life-changing has been to be able to let go of all those expectations of myself. And not that I don't still do it, because no. I totally do, but to be able to come back yeah. and just say, you know, my life is really about right now. And so what if I'm not perfect right now? You know, so what if I messed up and I lost my temper with my kids? I in this moment, I can apologize and I can make it right instead of feeling a whole bunch of shame or, you know, or guilt or beating myself up or anxiety or all those emotions that tend to plague all of us. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it helps me to come back to a peaceful place where I can be what I am and it's enough. Mm -hmm. Not that I don't try to be better, but it's enough right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, this, this idea of being more proactive about the things that, you know, that you're trying to improve upon yourself is, is, is at the heart of that because there's nothing wrong with reflecting on wanting to improve or wanting to grow. Totally. You know, that being said, if like all you're doing is reflecting on the things, the struggling points, on the mistakes that you've made, right. sometimes that can consume you to the point where you're not really actively aware of yeah. what's going on right now. And you're judging people based off of circumstances that happened with other people. You know, this can happen right. in relationships. Uh, you know, let's say that you're in a relationship, you know, a uh, partnership with somebody and you've been scorned in the past. You meet somebody who's new and you know, right. you're not present with that person because you're waiting to call that person out on their shit. Right. You're still living in a whole nother place. We miss our lives in the meantime. Like our lives are happening right now. And, and maybe we're different than we were five years ago. And it's okay to be different. It's okay to evolve and it's okay to be a different person than maybe, you know, someone who knew us five years ago expects us to be. It's okay to step into that new person because hopefully we do change in the course of our lives. You know, hopefully we do let go of that past baggage and we move on and we become a better person, a changed person, a more evolved person. And we can really lean into it rather than hold back or be plagued by those past thoughts. Yeah. And I feel like we should be open yeah. to that. And, yes. And, and we should be open to, to changing and growing as people. If, if we're constantly reflecting on the past right. solely on the past and letting that dictate how we live our present right. we can't really grow right. it's, and it's not something that we can do yeah and the more open that we are with ourselves the more open we're able to be with other people are able to give the people around us a chance to be different and a chance to be new and a chance to improve and to be able to be compassionate and empathetic and mm-hmm. um, positive you know rather than having you know kind of a chip on our shoulder like you were just saying you know mm-hmm. the analogy of the relationship that yeah we're not seeing through that lens anymore we're able to be there for other people to change too yeah and you know that being said sometimes someone hears that and they say well won't I turn into a pushover if if uh you know I just allow people to act certain ways or if I don't get mad when someone talks to me a certain way or if I don't reflect on like past mistakes from other people and you know the answer is no um what what I think uh Molly's saying and you know maybe you can speak to this but like in my own personal life uh that if you've been slighted in some kind of way or had past experiences that are negative or bad or acted in a way that you're not necessarily proud of, um, it's okay to reflect on that, but make sure that you're growing from it, not that it's to your right. detriment. Right. That, that's it. It's not that you're suddenly going to have a chip on your shoulder for the rest of your life for that one thing, or that you're suddenly going to just let everything go. And that's not what we're yeah. saying. You know, you definitely yeah. have standards and things that you want for your life. We just want you to improve. And in the process of letting go and reflecting, you can continue to improve and grow. Does that right. 
right makes totally sense to win. yeah absolutely yeah. I think that sometimes like you know relationships like thinking of a backpack and like with every experience we have in our lives putting a rock in that backpack it's really nice to unload some of those rocks not carry around that backpack every single day of our lives yeah. holding on to every past memory or thought of ourselves or whatever else we might have done but it's okay to you know look at it process it work through it but then also you know find a level of detachment to just let it go yeah and you know I assure you all that if you find yourself let's let's say that you you made a mistake okay you made some kind of boo-boo in your life or you let someone into your life that wasn't good or you acted in a way that you weren't proud of if you reflect on that in that moment and then you live a life where you're open to new experiences and you're growing and you're not constantly reflecting on that right you kind of let it go mm -hmm. if you see that same kind of pattern of behavior enter your life with what you're doing or with other people you'll recognize it the moment you see it you know because you're present you're in the here and the now so you're right. like oh the time that i did that that did not make me happy and I'm about to end up doing that again or I'm about to let that kind of thing into my life. Mm -hmm. It'll be very clear to you. You won't have a question of yeah. it at that point. If, right. you're, if you're really actually present, you don't have to hold on to the rocks in your bag in order to um, recognize when something isn't good for you because when you're in touch with yourself, you feel when something isn't good for you. Right, and I think you sometimes we fall into the thought of we have to self-flog in order to not do something again that we messed up at before, yes. but it's not required. Like you're just saying, like look at it let it help you improve but then we can let it go and trust ourselves that if you know we're working to live intentionally and you know do things on purpose as opposed to reactionary then like you said we'll see those things coming but we don't need to harm ourselves or have negative inner dialogue or any of those things in order to protect ourselves it actually brings us to a lower point where we might make choices that we wouldn't make in our right and healthy and present minds and so it's yeah. better to to lift and to move on you know yeah you end up believing that those things are a part of your DNA when you continue to self-flog, which yeah. I love that analogy, but yeah. um, you know, you start seeing yourself as a fuck up. Okay, I do curse <laughs> on this podcast. Like, I'm like as a fuck up <laughs> or as, as, a, as a person who makes mistakes and that, I mean, you, you can't grow from there um, if you're doing right. that. So you know, right. it can be very empowering for you to reflect and then move past it. Yeah. Yeah. For you sure. know, um, so, you know, the, the other thing I kind of want to talk to you about, mm -hmm. let me see where we are time-wise, make sure we got just enough time. Oh, we are right on schedule. We're almost done. Perfect. Um, you know, I just want to talk to you a little bit about you over at Southtown Yoga Loft. So yes. when I first met you, you were teaching yes. there. Right. And, you know, I'd sometimes see you and sometimes I wouldn't, but it sounds like right. you're there a lot more now because you're an owner over there. Yes. So tell us about that. Awesome. So um, I, I'm coming up on teaching there for two years this summer, um, but this last January, I actually joined um, Crystal Cuevas as her partner part owner. So we're partners together owning both studios. So the downtown as well as the Holotus location. Yes. So I am there all the time now, which is awesome for that, like streamlining your life and not being in a million different places mm -hmm. at once. So that's been really awesome. And it's just a really amazing space and community and group of people. So we've been talking. And so, you know, something that comes up often is, oh my gosh, what if we had found yoga at a younger age? Like what would our awkward teen years would have been like? What would our college years have been like? Oh my gosh, all these different things and how amazing would that be to have had that in our lives earlier or you know what about it and we had laughed about this earlier that like yoga is not upside down on a rock in a designer outfit like somewhere like we see sometimes <laughs> in social media that's not the only way to practice yoga and sometimes there's this connotation that we think you have to be naturally flexible 
to be in yoga. One of my favorite things to say is that um, saying you're not flexible enough for yoga is like saying you're too dirty to take a bath. Like if you're not flexible, that's exactly where you should be because that's how you're going to find it. But um, but wanting to find the shift of helping it to feel like a space that's completely safe to come and meet yourself where you are today. So yoga for everybody and with a real focus on yoga for families, yoga for parents, yoga for kids. We're just starting a, a series right now for yoga for tweens, that kind of fun age of starting to find yourself of like eight to 11 and um, offering beginners classes and doing, you know, beginner series where you can take four classes in a month. Our next one's coming up in June where you can learn all of these basics that we've been talking from the ground up. So you don't have to come in knowing anything. And um, our teachers for that are really amazing. And being able to offer yoga in a variety of different ways, you know, restorative and prenatal and baby and me classes. And, you know, parents being able to drop their kids off next door while they take their yoga class um, on the other side. So, oh, so you have that available? We do. Yes. Yeah. In our downtown, we have a side by side. So we have two studios in our downtown yeah. location. So Sunday mornings at 1030, a kid's class happens while the adult class happens on the other side. There so that go. one's a yes. really, really great yeah. one. Um, the kids have a blast. They get to do lots of really fun activities and crafts and breathing exercises and being silly and play games. And, and parents get a chance to kind of regroup, you know, and, and have a time where they know their kids are finding that same benefit on a different level, but able to have some things to talk about when they're all done too. So that's kind of our, our big focus yeah. is like, how can we make this more accessible to more people um, in our city? Because we feel like, yeah, most of us don't feel naturally. I'm not naturally really flexible. Um, my hamstrings scream at me on a very regular basis. And so it's nice to feel like I, I know I can find something that's really valuable and wanting to share that with more, you know, both of us, Crystal and I are both moms and we have kids and we know that sometimes it's a struggle, you know, finding the time for yeah. ourselves and it's, we can't take care of anybody else unless we're taking care of ourselves first. So yes. Super important. Awesome. Super important. And actually this Sunday you have, don't you have a special class this Sunday coming up? Um, this Sunday tomorrow. All right, let's see. This Isn't Sunday coming up. Doesn't chastity have? Yeah. So are you talking with the with the cello? cello yeah. 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 So once a month, Ignacio, um, a cello player from the San Antonio Symphony, comes and plays live cello for the Sunday class at 10:30 a.m. And that's the one that's like the adult side by side with the kids. So it's a great one to come bring your kiddos, drop them off, enjoy. The sound of the live cello is absolutely beautiful. He's been doing it for years yeah. and he's fantastic. It is so much fun. It's I've, so I've good. Taken the class there. It's, it's so good. There's nothing like it. It is, yeah. it is really cool <laughs> just being there and you feel the vibration from this. And it's such a soulful language. instrument too yeah. that you move and you just feel like you're creating poetry or something with yeah. every movement and you yeah. just, it's just, just amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, and when I say vibration, I literally mean, like I don't mean like in a spiritual sense. No, but like vibrations in the floor. The cello, <laughs> yeah, the music from the cello hitting yeah. is very different when you feel this like it's, robust the acoustics instrument. are great in the yes, studio too are, it's yeah. really awesome i mean yeah. it's been we've done a few different live music yeah. things and it's it's amazing i mean yeah. that old building it's been there for so long but yes. it, it's just it's, it's a beautiful a great building. experience it's it's, mm -hmm. it's it's uh a really beautiful place to do yoga at. i love yeah. going there. yeah it's I really pretty awesome love 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 being there and and, yes. being, and having that whole experience walking up the stairs when you first get there yeah um you know coming into your room seeing the person smile at you when you first come to the desk uh you know the whole experience when you walk into south town yoga loft is very very good and you know that's why i would have molly on here or anyone you know for that matter <laughs> yeah you know who's over there you know okay also you yes. do have just want to throw this out there because yeah. you got it coming up you have a teaching certification coming up we do yes. yeah i'll be leading that this fall with another one of our teachers awesome. Haley pingree and so we'll be doing a 200 hour teacher training mm -hmm. from september 8th until november 10th so it's a 10 week every saturday 
from the Saturday after Labor Day through a few weeks before Thanksgiving. And so it's a 200-hour Yoga Alliance certified. The curriculum is A to Z. I mean, you're learning all the different asana poses, uh, working through. It's a lot focused on Ashtanga because that's what my training is in Haley's as well. Um, And so I'll be focused on that. But also a lot of the other things we've talked about, you know, um, being able to, from a teaching standpoint, teaching methodology, how to actually put together a sequence and teach it and how to get inside your own body and understanding anatomy and how yoga comes into that as well. So it's going to be a pretty nice and inclusive, focusing on philosophy, focusing on um, meditation and pranayama or breathing exercises. So if you've done yoga for a while and you're even interested in just deepening your own practice and don't want to become a teacher, that's okay too. Probably about half of our teacher trainees on a regular basis, they're doing it just because they want to know more for themselves. And it's a really beautiful in-depth experience. And it's one where you learn things about yourself just from being able to spend that much time Mm kind of going deeper and understanding where you are and what you're doing um, and and being able to deepen that experience for yourself as well as with all those that you're around. So it's a really, really, it's a great experience. If you're interested at all, give yeah. me a call. We'll chat. And we'll <laughs> post a link yes. for those classes, anything that's coming up at Southtown in the show notes to this video on YouTube and Facebook. We Perfect. can't do it on Instagram, uh, okay. but it'll be all over everywhere else awesome. after when this video is released. So is there anything else you'd like to share about anything coming up there? Those are South kind of our Town. big ones. If you're yeah. new to yoga, check out the base beginner series it's a great way to get a foundation if you've been practicing for a little while and you're thinking about deepening your practice or becoming a teacher teacher training is a really excellent option basic beginners basic beginner series yeah it's listed as summer basic beginners because it'll be happening in june and we offer that in both of our studios so downtown as well as holotus depending on which one you're closer to Um, and then also family yoga if you have kids or you're getting ready to have a baby prenatal or you know any of that that range as well we have Mm -hmm. a lot of offerings there too Mm -hmm. so you will not regret taking these classes i'm I haven't taken the beginner's level, but I yeah. know I know from taking classes with Molly yeah. and that it's going to be something that's very worthwhile you checking out. Yes. Uh, yeah. Now, Molly. Yes. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and do a quick lightning oh, round. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's right. I was yeah. like, there was something else. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's just something else. It's something we like to do so that people can kind of okay. just hear something that's you know, not good. yoga related or you know, not fitness related. <laughs> so that's yeah. all we ask. So it's just rapid fire questions. Okay. All right. So coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. How do you have your coffee? Um, with Two, a little bit of cream. Okay. A little bit of cream. Anything else? No. Okay. All right. Is that your Starbucks order or do you order something different when you go to I Starbucks? I usually order an Americano. Starbucks order is like an Americano with just a tiny bit of room. For cream. Hot or iced? Oh, iced in the summer, hot the rest of the year. I know, right? Because I hate being cold. <laughs> Not like it's cold. I'm from Idaho. I shouldn't be cold at yeah. all ever in San Antonio, but... Yeah. You get used to it. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I lost my thick skin. Okay. All right. So, uh, favorite yoga position? Shavasana? Can I pick that? Uh, yeah, you can say I that. think we all pick that. Yeah. Can you tell them what Shavasana that is? Shavasana is like the end quiet nap time yeah. where it's really relaxing and you just lay down flat for like... In my classes, it's seven to ten minutes, and it's beautiful. Yeah, you just chill. <laughs> you just chill, and you try to make your mind be quiet, yeah. and you just don't wiggle and move, and you take basically kind of a grown-up nap time yeah. where you're not actually napping. It's amazing. It, it is. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I'd say it's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Hardest yoga position for you? Hardest for me. Oh, that's I know that right off the bat. Um, it's a pose called Utita Hasta Parangushtasana. Uh-huh. It's a big, long name. Um, it's big toe pose. It's standing on one leg. 
my hamstrings, I told you they scream at me, but you hold on to your big toe and you extend this leg and you're standing up straight and you hold it here five breaths, you take it out to the side five breaths, you mm -hmm. come forward five mm -hmm. breaths and you come down. I had to act that one out. It's really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a struggle. It is difficult. <laughs> and those yeah. with like hips and hamstring issues, it's fun where you, it's like mm -hmm. be present in every breath because that's all I can do. <laughs> Favorite TV show, if you even have time to watch TV. It could be it can be anything, it can be Netflix, yeah. Hulu, anything. And if you don't, that's okay. Probably it would be the Great British Bake Off if I had to pick one. I don't know what that is. <laughs> you should watch it. Okay. If you like I cooking don't. shows. It's do, like the most delightful, like not competitive. All these lovely British people get together yeah. under the tent in a gorgeous area and they all just bake things like like they'll do pies one week cool. or they'll do friends it's just relaxing and they're not all at each other like other cooking shows where it's like crazy competitive uh, like a I gordon ramsay show right it's yeah. not a hell's kitchen it's like the anti hell's kitchen which is like peaceful and lots of dessert i used to do a lot of that so oh, i love cooking I so yes okay all right and then last question is yes. any book recommendations any books oh. and that could be anything it could be anything okay. from like a fiction book to a graphic novel to oh. a biography to a self-growth book anything wow you can give a few um okay I really enjoy anything by Brené Brown because I feel like she talks a lot about um, self-empowerment and letting go of shame and vulnerability and the value there. So like self-improvement kind of books, I really, really love hers. Um, one that she wrote is The Gifts of Imperfection and Daring Greatly. Those are probably two of my favorites. I will post links to those. Yes, they're awesome. Awesome. on And she's not a yogi. They're just like awesome on lots of levels. Um, currently, I'm reading the Percy Jackson series with my kids and I totally love it because I'm kind of a geek and I love Greek mythology. Uh -huh. So if you haven't read those in the second series if you like young adult novels it's like one of those that I can still love because I have kids that are that age but I've always really loved them so there's that um I can't think of any others like I can think of a lot of yoga books because that's what I yeah, do but yoga book too. um one of my favorites is called Guruji and it's um just all of these like little snippets from people who were students of Patabi Joyce who I mentioned brought Ashtanga yoga to the states in the 70s and it's just interviews of what it was like to practice with him what it was like to learn from him what they learned about themselves and it's really great insight into people who have now become really great um senior teachers themselves but it's also different it's probably a collection of like at least a dozen different interviews with them and what their time was like with him and, and why they practice. And it's awesome. really inspiring. I love cool. it. Cool. Good deal. Yes. Well, Molly, thank you so much for being on yes. the Total Yes. Oh, my today. pleasure. This was really fun. Yeah. 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 Definitely. We should definitely do a part two sometime to check in with what's going on. Sounds with you good. All. Maybe get a little bit more insight. We would love it. Like yeah. We, we like the in the kingly way. I yeah. would love that. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. Right. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, yes. people. This is it for the Total Body Training Podcast today. Until next time, peace.